Hi, I'm Mark Rennick. This is Victory Over Sin. This is Victor Oberson, my name is Mark Rennick. Good afternoon, Treasure Valley. I hope things are going well for you. You're watching some NCAA basketball, hopefully, and trying to keep dry in the rain, theoretically. This part of the first part of the show, we try to explain what Victory Over Sin is and who funds us. Victory Over Sin is actually funded by the Southwest Council for St. Vincent de Paul. We're an advocacy organization for that group. And what we do is attempt to share what it's like to be on parole and to come out of incarceration. Uh, we like to call those guys returning citizens. It's a unique kind of funding source for us. We do this radio show to talk about that. And we also have put together a very powerful PowerPoint that we go out and we show to churches, to service groups, and to pretty much any business that would like to see that. And that PowerPoint has issues that affect the people like myself who have been incarcerated and how they survive on parole. Uh, they, we go out and show those things, and we try to do that in a way that gives the Idahoan, if you will, an understanding about what it's like, how much it costs, what the emotional cost is to families and, and such. And it's the cool thing about this is that it is done by people who have been incarcerated. So as they're making that presentation, you see kind of their self-esteem kind of come up as they're talking about what happens to them and hopefully making an impact in terms of Idaho to take a look at how to change some of those issues. It's very powerful and we're excited about that. 2018 looks to be a great year as we kind of expand this issue and kind of go forward. It came out of one of St. Vincent de Paul's conferences that deals primarily with people who are getting out of incarceration. It's called the Reentry Conference. And in that conference, which has been going for about five years now, the, that small group sees people who are just out of incarceration within 90 days. Uh, they'll call the St. Vincent de Paul hotline, and then we will go out as a conference two at a time and visit the person, offer them some support in terms of rent and in terms of maybe clothes, vouchers, maybe a bicycle, a bus pass, et cetera. And like I said, we've been doing that for about five years now. And in that capacity, for instance, last calendar year, a 1,000 people paroled to the Treasure Valley to the Ada County area. And this little group saw well over 560 of those people. So that's pretty powerful when you think about what they've done. And in part, that got some attention on a national level from the reentry folks at St. Vincent de Paul. And there's a conference that addresses those needs. And there was some experimental programs going on on a nationwide basis. There were five of them. And so they came out and took a look at us and they said, hey, what would you like to do? You're doing innovative things. And we said, we'll do something we're going to call Systemic Change of Idaho. So that's why we're here and how we are here. And so we're looking forward to uh, an exciting new year, kind of working on those situations too. Last week, if you remember, we had a gentleman in from Just Leadership USA talking about involvement uh, on, on the behalf of anyone who's been incarcerated. If you're out there incarcerated and listening to my voice, drop me a note. I'll let you know how to do that at the end of the show. And I will send you an application where you can enroll in that organization free of charge. Just Leadership USA looks to be the uh, group similar to AARP is to seniors. Just Leadership USA will be for those who are incarcerated. 
Uh, you're going to see much, much more impact with them in the coming year. We'll be talking about it in this show as well as in all the workshops we do, and we look forward to all of that. I'm going to get back. We've got a very special guest in the studio today. We're going to talk about a topic that is very close to uh, society's heart, for sure. We'll be right back. The United States has the highest percentage of its population in prison in the world. That's one in 200 Americans are currently serving time in a federal or local prison. As of May 2017, Idaho has 8,223 men and women incarcerated and another 17,201 on probation and parole. So upon release from prison, who works with these individuals and families to help them transition back into our community? This is done by what we call Returning Citizens Resources and coffee shop. We offer them a cup of coffee and some resources and information to help get them on solid footing with their faith, their recovery, and to begin their new life as our neighbor. It's designed for the offender's first stop from the institution. If you'd like to help us help them, please contact Mark Rennick at 629-8861. That's area code 208-629-8861. And if you're out in the desert needing any help for your transition, we pay for that call. With me this afternoon is a, is a good, who has become a good friend is Richard Coates. He is the disciple pastor for Common Ground Biker Church. Welcome. Hi, Mark. Good to, good to be here. Yeah. Richard's my good buddy from Common Ground Biker Church. And in that capacity as discipleship pastor, he kind of – you've taught other classes on discipleship there, haven't you? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Tell me a little bit about your background and where you're from. Well, originally I was from Kansas, um, grew up in a little little farming community there called Potwin, which was about a 300 population community. Uh, Nestled in between what, Wichita? Wichita and, and uh, yeah, Wichita and El Dorado. El Dorado. Yeah. There you go. Uh, anyway, a little, little farming community. Um, uh, my wife and I started our uh, ministry working uh, with a children's home in Oklahoma, Cooks and Hills Christian Ministries there. Uh, we served nine years as house parents in, in that facility, and, uh, and upon leaving there, we came to Idaho and worked at the Boise Christian Children's Ranch up here as assistant administrators for five years. What made you come from Oklahoma <clears throat> to uh, Idaho? Uh, we had decided that we had three children of our own, and we were spending most of our time working with uh, the 10 to 12 children that were in our home and uh, not being able to really focus on our own kids very much and uh, felt it was time that we spend some time with our own kids. So we resigned our position there and not sure what we were going to do. Uh, the gentleman who had been our supervisor there had come to Boise and taken over the administration of the Children's Ranch here and um, found out that we were leaving and asked us to move to Idaho and had never been here. So I thought, Wow. Let's go for it. Yeah, and so that was the Children's Ranch. Was that out on Linder then? Is that off? Yes, Linder? off okay. Duck Alley Road, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that's, they've just, they're moved, they've just moved that, haven't they? Yes. They just, yeah, that property got so valuable, I think. That it was, yeah, it was very, 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 very expensive part, very, property now, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I've got, that's interesting. I didn't realize that about that. So how long were you there? We were at the Children's Ranch here for five years. Oh, five years. Yeah. And then somehow you ended up working for Winco. I did. Yeah. Uh, we... Long story, we'd end up leaving the, the children's ranch, uh, got into secular, just regular work, and uh, found it uh, very unfulfilling, uh, and uh, ended up moving to Arizona, working at a children's home there, came, really? back, yeah. <laughs> came back to Idaho, back to the children's ranch, 
again, we decided we've we've got to spend time with our kids. So we left there again, uh, had a job, found uh, an opening at Winco Foods with a took a part time job there. I'd done that in high school and ended up staying there for 20 years and retiring from Winco. Yeah, you know, because you know, that couldn't have picked a better company to work for for 20 years and then retire from. I mean, you're talking about being blessed. I, that That is uh, amazing. It was it was certainly a blessing from God because, I, like I said, I when I took the job there, I was looking at working for like three or four months just to make some extra money, and uh, 20 years later, I retired. <laughs> that's fantastic. Well, that's, that's, a, that's a Treasure Valley kind of jewel anyway, I think. But then somehow, I love the story about how you got connected up with Common Ground Biker Church. Uh, so you were with Children's Ranch. I assume you were going to church kind of around those. A lot of churches support the Children's Ranch. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So you were probably patronizing uh, one of the churches from, from them. And then how did you meet Jim and Belita? That is an interesting story. Uh, we had gotten involved with riding motorcycles. I'd done that as a, as a young person and had gotten away from it. Some friends got bikes, and uh, I thought, you know, I want to do this again. So anyway, we ended up getting a motorcycle, started riding with a, a Christian riding group. Um, had not been doing that very long. Uh, I came home from work one evening, and my wife says, you have a phone call uh, on the answering machine. You need to listen to this. It's kind of interesting. I said, well, what's it about? And she said, well, some guy named Jim called... And there's something about starting a church with an outreach to bikers. So anyway, listen to the call. So I listen to the call, and uh, Jim's telling about starting, wanting to start a church with an outreach to bikers. Uh, they're going to be meeting in a bar. Mm-hmm. And uh, somebody had given him my name, said that I might be interested in being involved with this. So uh, with that, I had to go to the meeting they had, uh, kind of an introductory meeting to find out what this was all about. And um, that's been 10 years ago. <laughs> but so, I, I think, too, to your credit, number one, you it touched your heart enough to do it, and you ran across somebody who we both care about a lot, Jim Atkins. But I'm surprised how many of those original folks are still around. Do you know? that That's 10 years. Uh, I, people have heard me talk on the phone, talk on the radio. This is a very powerful place to be. And uh, they also know, well, but I'll say it again, I met Jim in prison. He was a volunteer, and I was in prison, and he came out and, you know, uh, was a volunteer, a religious volunteer. And when Jim came into the room, the air changed. It just, it was something different, and you could tell. And I assume that's what you found when you met with him. Uh, I was very impressed with him when I met with him, with the direction they were wanting to go, the the things that they were wanting to do. Uh, We didn't immediately climb on board, uh, sit through the first meeting, listen to everything, and uh, he approached us at the end of the meeting and asked if we would be interested in, in participating in starting this church. And I, I told him, well, it's something definitely going to have to pray about. So he said, well, we're having another meeting next Saturday. Come back if you're interested. So the next Saturday, we went back for the second meeting, sat through it and listened and hadn't totally made a decision. And we were getting ready to leave. And he says, well, you came back, so you must going to be part of us. So uh at that point, with the, yeah, we're going. We want to try this. So, yeah. and, and it's. Uh, I always. He was talking about I think your meetings and the idea about it when he was working as a volunteer at Max. So I always liken it that several of us who are at church still, uh, yeah. we were the first parishioners uh, because you know he was talking about it. He said, you know, I'm hanging out in Club 44 and da 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 da, and I'm thinking about doing this, and so it took me a couple of years to get out, but. Uh, before I could come, but 
I always consider a couple of us, David Gregory and myself, always as the first parishioners because we were at least hearing him talk about it in prison when he was talking about it. So that's cool. I like that. Discipleship. Why did you Why did you kind of uh, gravitate towards the discipleship pastor there? That kind of was not something that I intentionally walked into either. Um, my wife and I both have a, a, a real heart for people. Uh, we have... Uh, just a real desire to reach out to other people and to to disciple and to work with them. Uh, I kept kind of talking about this in our leadership meetings that I have felt discipleship was extremely important. Uh, the Lord doesn't tell us to go out and make Christians. He tells us to make disciples. Uh, kind of an analogy of uh, discipling that I find a very interesting analogy is that uh, if we have a little baby and we bring him home, we don't just sit him in a corner and walk away from him and think, well, we can have another one, mm-hmm. and that's kind of the way a lot of the churches are with uh, bringing people to the Lord. Uh, they come, they get saved, and they're just left on their own. Mm-hmm. And uh, most of these people, or a big percentage of them, walk away because they don't have anybody following up with them, teaching them the basic things they need, and and um, giving them the understanding and the foundation to build upon. Yep. I, and so, tell us about because we're going into a new uh, venture, I would say, from Common Ground. And how that came about and uh, introduce us to that topic, uh, if you will. And maybe we'll talk about the new uh, series that you're going to be uh, taking care of in the next – when's that start? It starts in less than a month now, isn't it? No, we're going to start – the new series will start in May. Okay, May. Okay. <clears throat> so. the, new, the new series that Mark's referring to is a, a, a series called the Conquer Series. And uh, the series is uh, – devoted to working uh, with men to give them a foundation, tools, understanding, knowledge to deal with a, a, a major problem that we have not only in our churches, but also in our society as a whole. And that uh, problem, that plague actually, or epidemic that we're dealing with and referring to here is uh, sexual impurity. Uh, dealing with pornography, with adultery, with all the the different sexual sins that are prominent right now. Um, This this program is a a DVD series that uh, is 12 weeks long to to start with, and it's, it's, as I said, a DVD program with uh, uh, interaction with each other, a small group interaction, and it's designed to equip and empower men to have the tools necessary to help each other, themselves, their friends, um, anyone that they come in contact with that's dealing with this yeah, it's circumstance. Such a, it's such a um, taboo, quote-unquote, subject. I know that uh, a lot of the work that I do in terms of working with people coming out of incarceration and some of the things that my partner and I do, we have transitional housing, and we do have probably the m- most spaces for uh, what state labels as RSOs, sex offenders. And so that's a population that we've always kind of been intrigued by. And it's just an issue that nobody likes to talk about, nobody likes to address. And so um, it's brave of us, I guess, as a church or you to say, let's go forward and take a look at this. It's mm-hmm. got to be um, uh, yeah. scary there's, on your part. It is. It yeah. is a little scary because there's there's a, a real disconnect when you, when you mention sexual addiction among Christians. Yeah. but. Uh, addictions are reals, and, and Christians are by no means immune to this. Uh, addictions are, crop, are, are coping mechanisms to deal with life, 
and are usually symptoms to a much deeper issue that a person in addiction seldom recognizes. Uh, the sexual issues are pretty much hidden sins that nobody wants to talk about. They carry uh, a lot of shame, and uh, this whole course is designed to get beyond the shame and get into dealing with the problems that cause these. Almost a taboo in terms of, say, sneaking into these meetings thinking, oh, I don't have this kind of issue, but I'm just going to go check this out. It takes a brave person, I think, to say, boy, this really is an issue for me. And I, I have tremendous amount of respect for the people who can come to me and say, this is a particular issue. I had mm-hmm. somebody in my office today who was, he goes to SA, and I said, hey, you know, listen to the show this week because... Uh, uh, we're going to be talking about just that in particular, but he's under the assumption that SA needs to tell him what to do. And I said, I think he's going to, he can find in this series, it sounds like to me, some of the answers that help him be more comfortable with his behavior. Yeah, it's uh, not only to be comfortable with, but the, the whole basis is to get the tools and the understanding to overcome it. And it's, uh, it's a problem that, like, most addictions that you're not easily going to overcome by yourself. You need somebody to disciple you, to under-shepherd you, to walk with you through it. Because if if we could get out of this easily by ourselves, everybody would be yeah, out of it. Do it. Yeah. yeah. So. Well, I think it's also, it, there's a parallel, let's don't minimize the fact that there's a parallel to being that good Christian too. It's the same similar issues in terms of what I have to face are the things that if if I covet my neighbor's BMW Ultimately, I need to get over that issue. And this is just another one of those, quote unquote, sins that we need to address as Christians and say, I'm, I'm scared to death of going forward with this, but I need to go forward with this and kind of address it in my life so that I can have that peace in the heart that we're all seeking as Christians, mm-hmm. don't you think? And that, that's very true. And, you know, when we talked about initially about it being an epidemic within our, our communities. And you gave some statistics. Yeah. yeah. And... Um, an interesting t- statistics that uh, we've run across with this is that uh, we think, well, everybody in church is okay. Well, in actuality, the statistics show that 70% of the men in church are dealing with some form of sexual addiction. 30% of women in the churches are dealing with some form of sexual addiction. And 40-plus percent of pastors and churches are dealing with it also. That's right. So, so it's, it's, it's overpowering, it's overtaking us. It's one of the, Satan's greatest tools that he's using now, and it, it destroys families and uh, individuals as well. Well, and I think it also is pro- so prevalent in uh, the media and everything that we devour as we go through our day-to-day life and in terms of we're, we have to be the most beautiful, the most sexy, the most whatever, and it's all, it is so entwined in our society that it just becomes overwhelming. So, um, yeah, I, I find this challenging and fascinating as we go forward with this. It's going to be uh, exciting. It's very much, <laughs> very, very uh, impossible almost to get away from the enticements. Everywhere you look, advertising, music, uh, television, uh, everything is directed towards uh, the enticement, sexual appeal, uh, it makes it extremely difficult to to walk away. You can't just close your eyes to everything. So you have to learn to how to, to uh, combat this. And it gets, too, in the same kind of situation in the groups that we do, and we're dealing with, uh, safe to say that uh, Mr. Coates and I are upper in years, and, uh, <laughs> but when you're talking to people in their 20s or their 30s and you're trying to say to them, you know, you may not just move in with this lady or, you know, try not to just move in with this guy. And that that's 
going to be something that is going to lead you to a difficult situation down the line. And that perhaps your relationship, uh, God's going to kind of say, what are you doing here? Yeah. And, that's going to, and in some ways, you're going to be disciplined for that. That's something that people do not want to hear. Mm-hmm. I used to think that the people that I dealt with as coming out of prison would be something to do with a, a drug or an alcohol addiction, but it tends to be they get hooked up with, you know, this boy, I've met this lady, or gosh, you know, I found this guy, and he's perfect, except I, if he just did this, then, you know, and then they're moving in together, and then that is the thing that drags most of the population that I work with back into the system and back into incarceration. Uh, the issue there is that most of our society has accepted this as okay. Absolutely. And uh, a lot of the people in our church communities have accepted a lot of it as okay. And, uh, you know, it's um, it's not it's not okay. You know, they look at it as, uh, instead of identifying it as sin, they look at it as, this is our freedom of choice. Yeah, excellent. And uh, use that as a cop-out. Well, you know, uh, and I've been in church for, well, out of prison seven years. So I've been in church almost six, I guess, or so six plus. And it seems like we've seen some of the people who have come into our church that we start talking about on these lines and we lose a couple of these people who just, I'm not quite ready to face that issue in my life right now. So I'm going to kind of fade out, you know? And I, uh, I always hearken back to some of those people because at some point in time it will hit them that, oh, I heard this someplace. Where did I hear this? And that that's what they heard, and that's what's causing some of the issues. Do you think we lose people like that? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, people want to take the, the easy way out and not look at the the immediate yeah. the immediate easy way, not what's going to be long term. Yeah. And, you know, we can look at our, you know, our divorce rates or whatever. Uh, let's take the, the quick and the easy and, and move on from that and run, not look at what the, the long-lasting effects of this are going to be yeah. upon. The thing is that these things not only affect us, they affect our children, our grandchildren. Absolutely. Uh, they, they determine the legacy that we leave behind. Absolutely. Yeah, and it's just so, it's, um, on, on one hand, the prospect of living this type of life gives such a peace in your heart and uh, happiness in terms of allowing you to go forward every day. But sharing that and getting people to understand that, have you considered this, this, and this? And it's just real difficult to get people to kind of see that. And uh, Absolutely. Every once in a while, we'll have, uh, you'll see the light kind of go off in somebody's head, and they'll say, oh, what a bow. That, oh, that does make sense. But too often, it's you're, you're always trying to provide ways to throw out issues like this so that they can see that. And I think that's almost what we're going to be doing with the, the series is to say, have you considered this and have you considered that, right? Yes. Yes. It's not not only – one thing that I need to really stress with this, it's not only for people that are dealing with this problem. It's for the men in the churches that realize there is a problem and want to be able to deal and to help and to work with their friends and people that they know. Uh, it's very important, and, and we can't – uh, combat this if we don't have the tools and the understanding to do it. Yeah, I think it. You, it, I, I agree with that. That's that's true. It'll give you the tools to go forward and to kind of bring those things up in at that Christian manner when you see something like that in a peer, an associate, or something like that. And I think I think it'll be eye opening for all of us to see just how much of this society impacts us. Uh, you know, and so I think back in the recesses. What do I do? Do I watch that? I we've got a pastor that. What did he announce that he doesn't watch? Any R-rated PG-13 movies, right? Did he say that? PG only. PG only. <laughs> so you can imagine how that restricts Mr. Atkins in terms of the mo- yeah. his movie-going ability over the years, but he's held true to that. Yeah. So 
that's that's part of the aspect I think that will challenge us as Christian men to kind of come forward and do that. Yes. That is so cool. Okay. Anything else that we need to kind of make sure? Let's talk about when you're going to do this. You're going to do it in May, and we're going to do it. Do you want to talk about the new building? Um, yeah. The Common Brown, excuse me, Common Ground Biker Church is currently meeting in the Busted Shovel. The Busted Shovel. Which is kind of a notorious Come little. Come see us before uh, we move. Yeah, a notorious little bar in Meridian. Uh, but like I said, we've been there for 10 years. That's been great, but we've kind of ran out of room. So we are moving to a, a new location. Uh, we're moving down the road just a little ways. Uh, we'll be at the corner of uh, State, or excuse me, Fairview and uh, Main Street in Meridian. The address is 62 East Fairview and the suite number 62. 62. So it's, uh, I believe it's the Cherry Lane Plaza Cherry Lane. Shopping Center. You know, if you know of uh, the Albertson Shopping Centers, and Albertson's there. It has a big lots. It has a big lots. Kind of between them. And there's a little mall around the side. If people are aware of that, there's a karate shop back in the corner, and we're right across the street. From we'll, we'll be open, or starting our first uh, Sunday service will be April 1st, which is kind of interesting to us that. because us. Uh, our first service that we held was April the 1st. Ten years ago. Ten years ago, yeah. So we move on ten years. I love that. Yeah. And this series will start? This is going to start May 3rd. May 3rd. Uh, that's a Thursday evening, and we'll start at 7 o'clock. Okay. So put that in your calendars. Uh, we'll probably be talking about it again. But I think for those of you out there who are looking for a different sort of church, I always recommend that uh, boys just stop in and take a look at it. It's it's really a unique spot. I think when I do it on social media, I say these are good people, and I mean that sincerely. The, you are you are welcomed in. The women, for sure, welcome in the women and just really engulf them and take care of them. And I think under your leadership, you're trying to make us men kind of do more of that. I think yeah. you're, you're doing monthly meetings now, and so I've always envied how the women are like a group unto themselves, how they support each other. And I think under your leadership, we're trying to do the same thing for men. Exactly, right? we are. Yeah. I thank you so much for coming in, buddy. Right, oh. By the way, we don't live. We are both. He's from Kansas, obviously. I'm from Kansas, and we are huge Kansas Jayhawk fans. And I will tell you a secret: this is this is recorded before Saturday, and so by now, Rich and I are excited that Jayhawks have won their first ball game. <laughs> the NCAA tournament. If they lose, we're in real trouble. We're in big <laughs> we're trouble. trouble. In more ways than you can, you'll ever know. It'll be very sad for both of us. If, you've, if they've lost, then you need to just quietly say a prayer for Rich and Mark because they're very sad people this afternoon. It will ruin the tournament for us. It will have done that. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming. Thank you, Mark. Again, I want to thank Rich, Rich, my buddy from Kansas and uh, Common Ground Biker Church. It's a good place. If you need information about Common Ground Biker Church or anything we talked about or something I've said today touches your heart, you need to reach out to us. We're pretty easy to reach. You can connect with us at www.systemicchangeofid.com. You can send us an email at systemicchangeofidaho, all spelled out, at gmail.com. We're on Facebook at Systemic Change of ID. We're on Instagram at Systemic Change of ID. You can even call us on the phone at area code 208-477-1006. We look forward to talking to you next Saturday afternoon on Victory Over Sin. Thank you so much.